What up guys, welcome to Archive TV. I'm Shane. I'm Fletch. And we are back for another stream review. This time checking out one that's, uh, I wouldn't say a classic, but definitely an old school strain and one that I've had the pleasure of smoking only once before. Uh, what are we looking at here, Fletch? It's the Pacific Northwest dog shit, or also known as the Portland dog shit. Uh, people in Humboldt also knew it. It's a pretty old strain, at least from the mid 90s at the, at the youngest. Let's put it that way. I got it in the early 2000s, like 2002, from Canvas Reverend Jeff, and then he got it from our buddy Max, the glass blower, and he originally got it from some people in Idaho. So that's kind of where our cut came from. There was another, you know, obviously other groups in the Portland area that had access to it, and my buddy Joel got it in the mid 90s, um, and he was the founder of Five Zero Trees. Um, and he said it came from, I think it's Minnesota originally. Okay. And it was called a Electric Boogaloo. And I don't think anybody ever really knew exactly what it was, but we always theorized that it was some sort of NL haze. More than likely, it's definitely similar to your standard NL hazes in terms of smell. It's just got a... A little bit different thing to it than maybe like the cough or uh, super silver or jack it doesn't have that lemoniness that you would get from like a jack or amnesia or the bubble gumminess from an amnesia mm -hmm. it's not that side of it it's more the metallic greasy um, kind of sweet like a kind of mangoey metallic-y kind of smell mixed with um uh, like a old school haze sativa back and it's it's really noticeable once you smoke it and can smell the smoke coming off there's definitely like that old school kind of land racy more sativa type like funk going on here but i like that you said metallic because i was mm -hmm. having a hard time kind of putting my finger on what i'm getting out of here and it definitely is kind of a yeah i don't know how else to describe that smell other than kind of metallic-y yeah it's like you know when you've been working with metal or something and you smell your hands afterwards and it has that metallic smell to I'm just it. It's getting like a weird root beer thing out of here too. I could see that as well. Hmm. So I mean you, you said you've been working with this for a while. Um, yeah many ever, years. Have you ever seen a representation of it that actually reminds you of dog shit? Smell dog shit? No I think that was just a name that was like I said, originally I think it was called Electric Boogaloo was its next name. Mm -hmm. And I think it just got called dog shit because, uh, you know, everybody just gave shit nicknames back then. Whether it was Crippy in Florida or the Crip in Hawaii or uh, Chronic or, it's usually... or the Dank or whatever the nickname was. I think dog shit was just a way to, to say, hey, you have any of that dog shit? To, so that no one really would catch on to what you're talking about. Yeah. And sure, it sounded funny, but at least they, didn't, they knew you weren't talking about weed. Well, and, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, usually when th strains get nicknames like that over years, it's usually something that's more indicative of, like, the experience of it, whether that's a smell or whatever. And True. it's usually something that's going to make it sound more appealing. This is almost like they flip that on its head, you know? Exactly. I mean? 
There are actual, there is a plant, I think it's called like the Jinko tree or something like that. That's supposedly the plant and then the fruits that the plant makes smell like absolute dog shit. Yeah, th I mean, this doesn't smell like dog no. shit. It's pretty uh, desirable of a smell. I'm gonna go, you got one rolled up over there. I'm gonna yep. go in on a quick little taster out of the pipe here before we get started just to kind of see what we're working with here. Fire in the hole. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because, you know, the only person I know that had previous experience prior to it being called dog shit was Joel, who started the Pfizer tree stores here in Portland. And um, that's the only person everywhere else, it was always known as dog shit. Like the, the dog shit clone that was in Humboldt is the same as this one that Caleb CSI had. Okay. Or has. Still, potentially, I'm not sure if he still has it, probably does. And um, his was called dog shit when he got it and it's the same clone. So it's one of those things where whoever named it is more than likely the one that really distributed it because there wasn't, or at least I haven't seen or heard of another electric boogaloo yeah. cut going around that didn't go through whoever the dog shit guy's hands or rename happened now i've never really seen dog shit anything other than or heard dog shit anything other than straight dog shit have you made different hybrids with this have you ever tried anything else that you know was made with dog shit Is yeah it a hybrid as well yeah i crossed it with the face off and that was the poochie love okay and that tested really high like um a bunch of different people grew it and got plants well over 30 percent thc so you know whatever that means it um it's high has high THC in its hybrids and people seem to really like it there was um you know I've had several customers really stoked on it and then uh <coughs> I did dog shit skittles ran those out then crossed that with um if I remember right, it was the planet purple male and that was um mountain apple the strain okay that we released and that one was pretty you know unique much like the name, it was like a rosy, rose water, mountain apple, danky kind of hazy, skittly mix, depending on which pheno you decide to choose. It has an interesting look to it, and it has like uh, real small heads, it looks like. It kind of just has that golden look to it, especially you hold it's it. It's just a, a longer flowering away. strain in general. You know, it's 11, 12 weaker. So. How would you, you know, being familiar with this strain more so than I am, how would you describe the buzz on this one? Is it definitely a little bit more heady, a little People, more upstairs? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a sativa. Um, I, I used to call it rubberneck weed because it was good concert weed. And if you roll one of these up at the concert, as soon as you light it up, everybody around you's like, what is that? Yeah, who's, who's got that stuff that smells not like Beaster? Smells like some dank haze and some, you know, some real rich hazy kind of smell it's hashier than i was expecting on the yeah incensey yeah i mean it, it's um it's a unique plant it's definitely not there's not much else like it you know there's stuff similar to it maybe from the the haze family but it's definitely not super silver or amnesia it's it's definitely it's a whole own different kind of variation of that that genetic realm yeah, it's definitely more more earthy, earthy, hashy to me. Not not I'm not getting any of that sweetness that I get from some of those hazes at all. None of that like sharp. No, but it definitely does have that weird metallicy thing going on. Exactly, but there's no like jack tones to this thing. No. As much as I, I'm saying haze, 
it's not Jack hair or super silver haze. It does have that very, very similar look to it, that like super, super light green. Couldn't be any lighter green. But like I say, kind of has, nugs have that overall kind of amber tinge to them. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, I, need to, not... I need to correct myself. It was, I crossed it with the Moomba 112 F2 male. Oh, okay. That was what the Mountain Apple was. It's easy to forget because you kind of pop them all in them. So they don't get a name until after we grow them. That was the dog shit and Skittles that you then had the 112. That's right. So it was dog shit crosses Skittles, selected a female from those, hybridized that with the same male that was like the Belts 3.0, the 112 F2 number 60 male. <laughs> this, one, this one, it's different. It, I mean, it's heady. It's got a heady high. It's there's not much body to it. I guess how people would describe stuff. Um, definitely hits you upstairs. Yeah. Obviously, since since you keep all this stuff around, you get to try kind of the more oddities. You know, time to time. Like for me, hearing too often these days, I get to smoke something that somebody actually flowered for. You know. 10, 12, 13 weeks, you know? Yeah, it's just unrealistic for most people. And for whatever reason, most consumers just, I think it's just because of the effect of social media and people wanting to do what's popular rather than standing out from the crowd and saying, you know what, I'm gonna buck the trend. And I like this stuff that everybody says, you know, it's like everybody talks shit about Blue Dream. People are afraid to be a fan of Blue Dream. If everybody talks shit about Jack Hare, people that actually like it are afraid to like it because they just don't want to get ridiculed. These strains become the Nickelback strains. You know? 100%. <laughs> totally. They're creed of the fucking weed game. It's like nobody will admit to liking them, but somehow they're still selling millions of records. That's right. Somehow people are still buying Blue Dream. Right. You know? They all smoke it, just not with you. <laughs> it's so, interesting how that works. Yeah, and that's one of those things where... A lot of hay strains tend to fall into that category, at least in on the West Coast. I don't know if that's true geographically everywhere. It probably is not. Um, but it's funny because, you know, just 15, 20 years ago, haze was seen as the most in-demand, high-quality product because everybody kind of knew that it took longer to flower, therefore it was more expensive to produce, and it had a headier high to it. So it was more, it wasn't lethargic, like especially if you live in a dark, cold winter type of place. You don't want some stuff that's just gonna knock you out at noon. Yeah. You want something that's gonna maybe brighten up your day a little bit. So things like Schramm, Super Silver Haze, the dog shit, um, the Williams Wonder that we grew at least up here that was, was kind of hazy. It, it wasn't hazy, but it was like this mountaintop fresh kind of yeah. scent. Um, had tones of some haze crosses, kind of golden goat-ish a little bit, or a little bit shrommy, but not quite as hazy, a little bit more just rich alpine air, super refreshing. flowery, refreshing. Yeah. And, uh, and those were really a lot more popular. I think they're also more popular because the, the smell stays better with it. It doesn't cure out as fast. Like cookies, for example, is best smoked within a week or two of harvest. Yeah. And then it loses a lot of the like dankness and it just kind of smells like some, you know, hashy bubba purple kind of mix. But when it's really fresh, it's like it's kind of got an OG dankness to it yeah. and everything. And so certain varieties are better consumed fresher and not allowing to really cure out fully, in my opinion at least. 
And that's a good example of one. Dog shit, man. <laughs> the DS, I mean, it, it, this was one of the most popular weeds in the Northwest for a lot of years. It tastes good all the way down to the bone, too. It tastes just like how it smells, kind of. I mean, yeah. it's not... Um, it's it just it's a metallic-y, um, hazy, not sweet in like a Skittle sense, but sweet in that it has a tropical note to it or a trop or or a equatorial kind of smell to it, equatorial sativa kind of smell to it. And it's just an enjoyable weed to smoke. Like I said, it always was like a summer favorite for people going to concerts going in on the river roll up a bunch of ds joints and no one was going to be tired it was going to be a good time this would be great wake and bake weed exactly and i think there are a lot of people out there that want that type of product it's just not promoted or pushed by the middlemen and the dealers and the brokers because it's um it theoretically should cost more for them to acquire it and there it's that eats into their profit margin and at the end of the day profit margin matters to them not satisfying their customer i would definitely pay more to be able to get things like this often like variety of stuff like this would be amazing the, it's nice the, to have a stash the way this stuff makes me feel and the way it looks reminds me of this golden pineapple that i used to get from this place creme de yep out in uh, santa cruz in like 2011 2012 and man, there's just so many, so many flavors that I used to get to enjoy all the time that have just become so much harder to find, kind of gone by the wayside, you know? Mm -hmm. And they were popular flavors at, at that time. Well, I think it, that was the transition period between home growers who had, were growing what them and their buddies liked, who then started vending to shops, and then, you know, the transition to where we are now, where like most of those little guys, you know, they're still doing that, you know, but still yeah. now just for them. And but the buddies. shops are demanding a specific kind of product that they perceive, or the brokers that they perceive as the most profitable for them. Yeah, and so it makes. And they're sense just not that. developing any markets outside of that. Yeah, they're expecting the market to develop itself, whereas dispensaries used to buy product and promote it because they thought it was good, not because. Instagram said it was the bomb. And in a lot of cases, I think a lot of people can probably agree on the channel and you that a lot of the time when you're sold on something on Instagram, does it really deliver in real life? Very, very, very seldomly does it actually, is the, is the hype worth it? Exactly. And, you know, sometimes you can just find something that's not hype that's way better than the hype shit just by following your nose instead of following the crowd well i think that goes for just about anything but especially cannabis because i've always believed that there's something about the smell if you if i smell something and i love it then i love the way i tend to just love that strain i like the way it smokes i like the way it makes me feel if i don't like the smell if you crack a jar not to pick on blue dream more and i just smell that chalk like i, I you know Anytime I get anything that even reminds me of that smell, I typically don't like it. You know? mm -hmm. So, well, it's like food, you know. It's not that whatever dishes that you dislike are bad. It's just that when you were a kid, you were forced to eat too much broccoli. 
And now you just don't like broccoli as an adult. <laughs> Whereas someone else might love broccoli cheddar soup. And if you didn't have that experience, it might your that's a, that's a trip to think about too. That your palate might be shaped by your life experiences. It more than likely so is. What you yeah. like. But they do say that it changes over time too. You know your palate. Hundred percent. Yeah. I didn't like spicy food when I was a kid, and the older I get, I, I love spicy food now. I wonder if I the think, same thing will happen with my weed palate. I think it does. You know, I think it changes over time. But I think if it's a good strain, you'll appreciate it. Regardless. Yeah, exactly. It Whether or not that's your your flavor of the day, you'll still be able to look at it and smoke it and go, well, that that's some really good weed. I mean, I don't necessarily want a, want a bunch of it, but I'd like to have a quarter ounce to smoke when I want one, just like the dog shit. It's like I, I can't grow a ton of it because it's not what everybody wants in today's market because of the influence of the internet and the marketing. But... Uh, I would never throw the plant away and not have a jar of it yeah. sitting around. So it's one of those things where uh, it's like a spice in the cabinet. I may not use it in every dish, but I definitely am not getting rid of it from my spice cabinet either. It's like I have to have that in there because there's certain dishes that I literally can't make or enjoy or experience without it. It's that essential. And there, you know, strains are kind of like that to me. It's, it doesn't need to be my favorite. It just needs to be an essential ingredient in the cannabis cookbook, so to speak. It's just another color on the palate, you know? That's right. I, you can't just sit there and, well, I don't like that color, so I'm never gonna use it. It's like, well, have you ever used colors before? When you mix them with other stuff, they make other colors. So you can't just, throw yellow away because you don't like yellow because guess what green's gone with it too now yep. so what the fuck are you gonna do you now you can't do green fuck that and so that's kind of you know for for me from the genetic perspective and preservation perspective that was always the idea is try to try to have the largest color wheel in the game so that i can make the most amount of colors from it you can paint any picture you want at that point exactly yeah, I like that. I think the spice analogy is good. I think the color thing makes sense. I'm curious, you guys out there, what's what's the one color that you would never get rid of? The one spice that you would never throw out? Or the one flavor of weed? Just a little bit. You know? Yeah. I, that's what I'm getting at. What's, well, what the point is, the is there isn't strain? one you can really throw out. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's really not one strain. You, you have to kind of have them all. Otherwise, you get stuck. Oh, dog shit, man. It's got a good head high. It definitely does. Got me where I needed to be. Definitely, uh, definitely uplifting. About to lift myself up out of here, I think. Sounds good. See you guys good. on the next one. Peace.